Good morning, everyone. I can hardly see anything because these lights are so bright in my eyes, but that's fine. But I just know you're all a really good looking, a really good looking bunch out there. Um, so the teaching series on the House of Prayer, have you been enjoying it? Is, have your prayer lives changed as a result of it? Well, the um, message that I'm going to be sharing um, today actually is the end of that teaching series. And, and it's not by chance that it's actually on the subject of spiritual warfare. And the thing that I wanted to um, just start with, really, is to start with one of the fundamental truths of what's been weaved throughout the whole series, really. And that is that just being a Christian and knowing about God isn't enough. You need to know him personally. And we know that when we invest in that relationship with God, when we draw close to him, when we surrender to his will, surrendering to his will is a big part of it, um, then we are transformed into the likeness of his son, uh, Christ Jesus. And when we're transformed in that new identity, then we start to respond to situations and circumstances in the way that he does. Now we need to remember that Jesus died so that we could have this incredible relationship, a personal relationship with the creator of the whole universe, our Father God. Isn't that amazing? And he also died so that we could have this identity as co-heirs with Christ and all the power and authority that comes with that new identity. And I really wanted to start with this point because, as with everything, foundations are really important, aren't they? You know, we need to have good foundations. We need to make sure that we've got the right foundations in terms of our relationship with God. And we need to have the right foundations in terms of understanding what our identity and our response should be. Because if you don't have those foundations right, when it comes to a spiritual warfare situation, then you are going to be in trouble. Um, and it says in Hosea 4.6 that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So if we don't have those right deep foundations I'm sure the song kept going around in my head from when I was in kids church that we want to be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock rather than the foolish man who built his house upon the sand now they both built houses and both of those houses faced the storm but at the end of it one of them fell flat and the other stood firm so I'm just going to start by in terms of spiritual warfare looking at it from what we understand from an earthly perspective of what warfare is So an earthly war can go on for many months, it can go on for years, Um, it can go on for decades, um, which just sounds terrible, doesn't it? But it can go on for for many, many years. And it's basically, wars are made up of strategic battles, and each of those battles are designed to take ground and control. And those battles can vary, they can vary in terms of the intensity of them, they can be fought on different fronts, they can be for different reasons, and they can be for different... um, different durations of time and because of my father's daughter I thought I'd share a historical fact that the um the longest war was actually 10 months in world war world war one and the short as in battle sorry the shortest the longest battle was 10 months the shortest battle which was in the 1800s didn't even last an hour it was under 40 minutes so you can just see some battles are Uh, take a long time others are a lot shorter and spiritual warfare is very similar in that respect the only difference is we can't necessarily physically see what the enemy is doing to attack us but at the most simple level spiritual warfare is about us it's all about the control over the souls of mankind so it's about having power and influence over us and Paul tells us in Ephesians 612 which should go up on the screen for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places 
So that tells us that there's forces, both angelic and demonic, that are actively engaging in warfare around us. And actually, every single day, we've got the world, we've got our own flesh, what we, what we want, um, and the enemy that are all trying to contend for our attention. And actually, we need to be aware of that because each one of those can actually distract us from our, having our personal relationship with God and having that fullness of personal relationship with him. Um, within spiritual warfare, God's, God's side, the good side, he wants to see us restored. He wants to see us established in the kingdom of heaven. And he wants to see his power working in and through us. And, of course, the enemy wants the complete opposite to that. He wants to see people, Christians and non-Christians, being kept from that relationship with God. And he wants to see us ultimately perish both physically and spiritually because he hates us. He hates us because God loves us and he wants to hurt God. And even though we, we, we declare, don't we, through our songs that Jesus has already won the victory, the devil knows that. He knows that he's defeated, but he wants to take some collateral damage um, along the way. And whether it's um, an attack on us, whether it's an attack on those people that we love, it can be over a host of things. It can be over our security, our identity, over our health, our relationships. Ultimately, it's a war on identity. And he wants you to question, firstly, who God is. Is God really who he says he is? Is he really going to do what he says he's going to do? And actually, are you even who he says that you are? And actually, both of those two go hand in hand. Because even if you said, oh, I believe God's almighty, he's powerful, he's incredible. But say you don't accept the identity of yourself as a co-heir with Christ, then you're actually saying that what Jesus did on the cross, that isn't, that isn't powerful enough. He didn't complete enough through his death and resurrection. So we've got to be very careful of that. It's not one or the other, it's both. Um, it says in John 10.10 10, that the thief does not come to st- except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then in 1 Peter 5.8 it says that we are warned to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it just makes me think of that, you know, in those nature programs where you've got the little baby elephant toddling around along with its mum, um, and then it starts to stray off. And then in the distance, we can see it, but the baby elephant can't see it. But there's a lion that is waiting to pounce and to kill. And that's what the enemy does. He waits for us, for when we're vulnerable, so that he can have that, he calls it that opportune moment, and it mentions that in the Bible, and in those times is where he sows those seeds of doubt, of condemnation, and of fear, and we saw that he did that with Jesus, didn't he, when Jesus was in the wilderness, so he's physically weak, he started saying to him, did your father really say this, but the difference with Jesus is that even though he might have been physically weak, he was spiritually strong, he knew his father's words so well, he was so connected with his father that when that lie came in, and it was some of it's just a little twist of words, and that's what you're going to be careful of. It's just a slight twist of words. That's why you need to know the word really well. So Jesus was physically weak, but physically weak and but spiritually strong, and so he was able to resist the devil. And that's basically the the strength of the foundations that we need. And of course, because of Jesus, we have that strong foundation available to us. So in James 4, 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And resisting the enemy basically means that you're refusing to be moved. Refusing to be moved. That's what unshakable 
faith is, regardless of what he says or what he does, I'm not moving from this point. I know who my God is and I know what he says. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, captive, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's a really important one because actually we've talked about different battlefronts, but actually our minds is a, one of the battlefronts that the enemy often goes after. And again, this is why the truth, knowing the truth of God's word is so important because then when the lies come, you think, hang on a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't fit. And you discard it. You don't come into agreement with it. Um, I wanted to just look at the story of, and I've got to make sure I say their names right because I'm always thinking of veggie tales of Shakrach and Benny, but it's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, and in Daniel. And it's, that, it's an account of how they resisted worshipping the idol and worshipping the gods of the king Nebuchadnezzar. So if we just look at Daniel 3.13, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at this time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, I love this bit, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face changed towards them, and he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more you know sometimes when you're standing against something it does feel like the heat goes up doesn't it like it's getting even harder now and I'm standing firm on that and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind them and cast them into the burning fiery furnace now I love the authority and the confidence that they had when they came against the king they were just complete boldness wasn't it like I know what you're saying, but sorry, I'm refusing to give ground on that. And that's what a battle is. I'm refusing to give ground. And then it says that the fire was so hot that those mighty warriors who brought them to be thrown in the fire, they died. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were still there. And they're all bound up. They're probably thinking, what on earth is going on? I'm just standing there. Probably couldn't see anything. Um, and then they end up in the fire. Um, I don't know how they ended up in the fire, but they ended up in the midst of it. And then you've got the king who's probably having a look, thinking, oh, I hope it's hot in there. So then says, hang on a minute, I thought we only put three men in there. There's a, there's a fourth one in there. And it says in verse 25, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And then we know that the king calls them out of the fire, and they were completely unharmed. There was not one hair on their head that was singed. 
and it's then the king, complete turnaround. He then starts worshipping their God and says to everybody else, I mean, I think his character still needed a bit of changing because he said, basically, if you don't worship that God, then you're all going to have a really horrible end. So I think there was some the change that still needs to happen in his heart. But he recognised that there is no God that delivers like this. And then to top it all off, he gave them all a promotion. But it's important in this story to remember that they still ended up going into the fire. The fire wasn't taken away from them. And even when that heat got turned up, they were heat resistant. And that's what we need to be. We need to be resistant to the heat of the enemy and have fireproof faith, which means we're not going to be compromising. And we saw that how they approached this is that they stood on what they knew to be true. They knew God. Sometimes we can waste so much time thinking about the stuff that we don't understand rather than fix our eyes on the the one that knows everything and that we know is true. So they were not alone in the fire and God promises that we, we won't be alone in the fire either. And I really do know, and I'm saying it from experience, that the true test of your relationship with God is when you know, you're, you're in the fire. It's when you're in the midst of a battle. It's very easy for us to praise him when everything's going great, but when things start getting difficult, that's when you know, who am I going to turn to? Am I going to trust him? Am I going to try and do things in my own strength, or am I going to um, do things his way? It says in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's what we need to be. We need to be confident of who God is in the midst of the battle. And of course, in the same way as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, how we're going to respond in that situation. And that really means that we need to be prepared, don't we? It doesn't just come from anywhere. They didn't all of a sudden just start to be able to stand firm on the truth. They knew the truth. They were prepared. And in the same way, we need to be prepared and positioned and dressed well for the battles. Because we are going to face battles. It's not, a, it's not an option. It's, it's definitely going to happen. But you want to be prepared for the battle. If we look at Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And in 13, it goes on and says, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now this is for us, it's a telling us we need this this is again it's not a, an optional thing for battle this is what we this is what we need to be ready for battle so we've got the belt of truth and it says in John 14:16 that the holy spirit will lead us and guide us to all truth the breastplate of righteousness that's our identity as co-heirs with Christ and that's part of our inheritance I know most people would like to receive an inheritance that's the best inheritance that you're ever um, you're ever going to receive you then got the gospel of peace, which means that we are going to be those people who are unmoved, we're unshakable in our faith. And then that shield of faith that goes before us, which is saying that God is with us, God goes before us. 
And then we have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And those two need to go together because it's like I said at the beginning, it's about that battlefield of your mind that is constant. So we need to be constantly renewing our minds with the truth and also use the truth of God's word as our weapon of warfare. And it tells us all this in Romans. So I just encourage you to really read the books of Romans and Corinthians because it's really important um, in terms of showing us how we can be ready for the battle. But of course, it's not just about the armor. There's the gifts, the gifts of the spirit as well. And I'm not going to go into each of those, but just picking out one of them, the gift of discernment. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us to understand things in the spirit. It's how, it, how the Holy Spirit helps us to make the right judgments or decisions. And going back to knowing that there's a prowling enemy who wants to, um, who wants to deceive us and to destroy us. We don't want to be those people who are caught unaware, just trying to you know, make our way through life, just making decisions and not actually having any wisdom, godly wisdom to back it up. It says that we're told to put on the armour of God. It doesn't say anywhere in scripture to take it off. Um, it just makes me think actually of, histo- I like watching historic movies. And um, when you see these battles, when there's a battle, they're all agreeing, they're gonna, we're going to have a fight tomorrow. And then that night they will sit around the campfire and they're having a chat and having a snack together. And then all of a sudden there's a siege and all these mighty warriors, they don't have their armour on, they don't have their weapons with them, and they all just get completely obliterated. And I was just thinking, what's going on with people? It's probably not the first time that's ever happened. I would be that person saying, right, you lot, I know that you're thinking the same way as me. Let's all be in our armour and let's be waiting ready for when that enemy comes. And if they don't, great, (laughs) nobody's hurt. But if they did, at least you'd be glad that you were... Um, that you were prepared. And although today uh, the focus is on about our individual responsibility for spiritual warfare, actually as a church, I mean, Taffy talked about the power of a praying church together, we do have that responsibility for, um, to encourage one another. Um, we have that responsibility to stand together and to be declaring the truth of God's word over a situation and keeping people fixed with their eyes on Jesus and just being ready to fight that good fight in all seasons okay so we're dressed in the armor just imagine you're all dressed in armor right now we're all ready for the battlefield we're not ready for the battlefield before we've got the armor on like it says in Ephesians six eighteen, this is where our prayers get powerful is when we know what our identity is in Christ and who um, and, and who our God is. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And just going back to from a battle strategy perspective, if we want to be those people who pray with wisdom, you can say powerful words, but they might not necessarily be the right words to be saying, speaking over a situation. If we want to be praying with authority. We obviously need to know our identity and know what Jesus has done with us, for us. Um, but we need to be in a, in a battle situation. We need to be standing with the general and the commander so that we know that we've got the right battle strategy. Um, and actually, that's, again, the real test of how much we actually trust him is when, uh, whether or not we, let it, we go with what he's saying. Um, and ultimately, that's what not leaning on your own understanding is that the, in the simplest um, context. And actually, you'll find with battle strategies with God, they don't necessarily always make sense. You might think, oh, oh okay, yep, okay, I'll go with that. But it's the right one. Um, we don't have to have all the answers. I like to know everything before it's even happened. 
it doesn't work that way. We just need to know and trust him and know that his way is better. Um, I won't read the whole stories, but just some accounts of how God gave battle strategies, which we know for sure they didn't come up with um, on their own. We've got Joshua in the, um, the battle strategy for Jericho. We've got Gideon and the battle against the Midianites. They definitely didn't come up with those ones in their, on, in their own strength. We've got Gideon who got his confirmation of victory for God, turns up with thousands of men thinking we're going to win this, and then God basically whittles it down to 300 people. Um, and they're all, you know, they are the best for the fight. But then he says, well, we're not going to use your sword. I want you to start shouting and playing your trumpets, you know. <laughs> and then we've got Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah. They got a very clear word from God and they worshipped. And as they were worshipping, they saw their enemies who had come to go against them all start fighting each other. So they didn't even have to join in the fight at that time. And it's interesting, isn't it, that when you see this through different accounts in the Bible, that worship is really key part of the battle strategy. That's all we need to do is worship. We need to pray. We need to get close to the source of truth. And we need to know that our praise, our prayer, our worship, our battles of warfare, and they shouldn't be neglected. If you've got a situation right now where you're going through a spiritual battle, um, just like they did, you need to get that word. They had a word from God. We can go around asking people what their opinion is, but that's not going to be helpful. We need to get God's word. And what I want to just encourage people and from experience is that when you've got that word, make sure you write it down and then just keep it close to your heart and keep recounting it. Be reminded of what that is and declare it. Declarations are really, really important. And, you know, what? having your own revelation, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Again, it doesn't matter what the enemy says. You are not going to accept it when you've actually had that direct word from God on a situation. And I've even seen from situations where we're believing from something. This is where discernment comes in. Sometimes people can come in and try and say something which they think is helpful. But if it's not godly wisdom, then it's not useful in that, in that situation. And sometimes if you start listening to that more than you do the word from God, then it can do more harm than good. If it doesn't line up with what God says over your battle and over your identity, then don't entertain it. And actually, Dad spoke um, the other week, didn't he, about um, the importance of praying in the spirit and our, about our prayers being spirit-led. Because I, I think I've got a pretty good vocabulary, but I definitely don't have the vocabulary that the Holy Spirit does and the, the, the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has as he gives us that spiritual intelligence of what we need to be praying over. And that's when our, our prayers start to get strategic and they're powerful. Um, so... Praying in, in the spirit is, again, essential within a warfare situation. Um, recounting the victories, that's really important. We've got them in the Bible. Just think, you're a victorious God. You've already won the battle. F you know, fill your mind up with those. He is a victorious God. He is the God of the breakthrough. You've got them in the Bible. You've got your own. Speak to other people. Write them down and just go back to them thinking, oh, God, you were so good in that season. I was speaking to someone this morning that actually that sometimes you can spend so long messing around trying to do it yourself and then actually you just wish that you were just stuck close to God and the whole thing wouldn't have been drawn out for as long as it did. 
And these um, faith-filled prayers, when we can say with that authority, in the name of Jesus, that is when we start going beyond saying to God, will you, in, will you come and join in this battle? We're just declaring who he really is in the midst of that battle. Um, and that's the type of warfare prayers that really make the enemy tremble. When we know our authority is like, oh no, not another one. They know their authority now. Because the enemy, when you're resisting him, he has to flee. And it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that we're already on the side of victory, aren't we? That's what we need to do. We need to approach a battle, dressed for battle, and knowing that we um, are on the side of victory. And then we can be confident in knowing um, and we can have that boldness and that authority in in the battle as well. I just want to say as well, when we see with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the heat gets turned up. I know every time for me, the heat's got turned up. I'm thinking, it's getting worse now. But actually, that's what the enemy's doing. He's trying to think, no, he doesn't want you to be that person that will just stand on God's word. And I'm going to um, share one of my personal experiences. I did actually have quite a few I could have picked from, actually. But the good thing is, is that I'm still standing. So it's a testament of God. Um, being faithful Um, and I did share it um, quite a few years ago now but it was actually the account of when I went in to have Cameron um, my eldest son Um, and actually when I was we moved house recently and I found my medical notes and I was just like wow God was so incredible in that moment you know that's the thing you can go through these things that can be terrible in the natural but in the spiritual like wow God is so good he's incredible he's so powerful so basically what happened, and I'll try not to get um, emotional on this, but just be um, aware that when I, um, if I do get emotional, it's not because it's a trauma, it's because I'm just amazed by how incredible God was during this, this time. So basically I had to go into hospitals to be induced with Cameron. I'd gone back to my house to pack my bags up um, because I wanted to take some more stuff to the hospital. Um, and I was sitting on the sofa, so I was all on my own, and then I was just writing out some notes, these are the things I need to take with me, and then I just got this overwhelming feeling of being oppressed, and it was, it was literally like someone had switched all the lights off in the room, it was, it was, it was like, what on earth just happened? And then it was just this voice coming at me, you're going to die, you're going to die when you, when you go through childbirth, and I was just thinking... What, what, what's, what's going on? I started, sometimes you can spiral, can't you? When you hear that, it's a bit like when a bomb goes off and people's ears are ringing, thinking this, is, this was really real. And, um, and so I started spiraling that, and it was all about you need to start writing letters to the people that you're going to leave behind. Remember to write a letter to Cameron because he's never going to meet you. You need to write that letter. And then the amazing bit in that is in the midst of me what I would say spiralling it's like God was like snap out of it and I heard my name Elisa I mean no one hardly ever calls calls me Elisa even though that is my name and when people say Elisa I know I'm either in trouble or it's in (laughs) or it's something really important so I just thought right I need to I really need to listen to what's happening here and I just said God what do I do and he basically gave me this picture from when how how long are you pregnant for it's a long time isn't it I've forgotten now Nine months, that's it. I was thinking, it's not 12 months. Surely it can't be 12 months. So, like, nine months before, and I was just praying over, like, who is this child going to be? And he actually gave me this picture of what Cameron looked like. 
And then he just recalled me back to that. Remember, I gave you that picture, and I was like, oh, yeah, you did. That means I am, <laughs> am going to see him. And then it was, right, God, what do I need to do now? And this is what I'm saying about getting your word, because this was very clearly the word that God gave to me, and it was that I'm not to discuss it with other people. So it was very clearly that it was between me and him. Um, and I was like, right, okay, that for me naturally would have been a struggle because I just wanted to go like, oh, this has happened and like, tell the story and get some reassurance. But I thought, no, I w- I'm going to stick to this plan. I can remember driving home, listening to all the worship music, thinking, right, these are the scriptures that I need to be declaring over that moment. And I can remember stepping in the house thinking, surely one of them are going to look at me and they've been told. And it's like, fine, they can pray for me as well. I'm thinking, no, this is just me and God and actually this really weird thing is that stuff kept coming on the TV that was about women dying in childbirth I was like how random is this that this this is the kind of thing that's coming and I don't know if he's involved in the scheduling of the BBC but it was almost like that was aimed at me and I was like looking like have you seen this this is basically what's what's been going on so then I went into the hospital went to be induced and it wasn't a great experience. There was, to be honest, there was quite a lot of incompetence with what went on anyway. But then after I'd given birth to Cameron, it all started to go wrong and I had um, a retained placenta. But the, um, the I'd say medical professional, um, <laughs> she basically started removing the placenta in bits and just like slopping it in a bowl. And it was there was a lot of blood everywhere. They'd literally, to find out that I was bleeding in the first place, I sat up and it literally just came out like a fountain because I'd been, it'd all been pooling um, in, internally. And I could see mum pacing about, and I was like, oh no, she's starting to panic. I was like, mum, please just look after Cameron, which in that situation probably wasn't helpful because she thought that was me saying goodbye, like, can you look after Cameron? But that's not what I meant. But I can remember just, sc- like, I actually screamed out, Jesus, like, you said that this is going to be all right. That's what... I was thinking, I'm going to be all right. And I can remember in that moment, I just got taken out. It's like I wasn't even in the room. And I, it could have been a second, I don't know, but it felt like a long time. And I loved where I went so much that, to be honest, I didn't really want to leave, even though you can love people. But just thinking, this is an incredible experience. And it was that I knew that I was walking with God. And he led me to this place. And all I can think of it is a bit like, it was a bit like the shape of an American stadium you know those big kind of oval stadiums and you could just see multitudes of people like to couldn't even to see the details of people's faces in the distance and they were worshipping and I just started worshipping as well and it was quite amusing because I'm obviously quite a reserved person and I was spinning around and I was laughing and I was just thinking what am I doing this is just so not like me and then I was I was worshipping God and I was just I felt like I was a little kid that's what it, it felt like. It was an incredible, incredible experience. And the song that I ended up singing wasn't even one that I listened to. And it is the song Made Me Glad. And it basically is the, the words in Psalms. And it is, um, so it's, you are my shield, my strength, my fortress, my deliverer, my strong tower, my ever-present help in time of need. And just thinking like, isn't that the best words that you could be singing out in that moment? And I love that. We chose Psalm 18, 1 to 3 for Cameron's dedication scripture. And it's, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so I shall be saved from all my enemies. You know, the actual scene in the room I know was chaotic because I know that people have been shouting each other. There was a um, massive blood loss, but I can remember coming back into the theatre and I was like, I was buzzing. (laughs) The other people might not have been buzzing, but I was just like, this is incredible. And I can remember just as I was starting to open up my eyes, I saw people coming towards me with these paddles. And I thought, they're going to try and um, jumpstart me, but I'm fine. I just went, I'm alive! And, um, and they were like, yeah, we know. We just wanted to help you be able to, to sit up. And I was like, okay, I felt a bit silly then. Um, but you know when they always come round and start saying, do you want a bit of toast? It's always tea and toast, isn't it? And I was thinking, yeah, all right, then I will. I went, by the way, I've just been healed from chest infections. And she was just like looking at me like, I know you've lost a lot of blood, but that's just like a really random thing to come out with when you've just had a traumatic birth experience. But... In honesty, I had had scarring on my lungs for years from having pneumonia, and at least four times a year I used to get chest infections. I even had a really bad chest infection when I had Cameron, so it was it was very recent up to that point that um, when I was pregnant with him that I had a really bad chest infection, and I've not had a chest infection for 15 years, like nothing. And I just think in that in that moment, not only was God liking incredible in that moment, but just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego got their promotion, I was like, wow, I'd rather have what I had rather than a job promotion. Um, And do you know what? No one can ever take that away from me. No matter what happens going forward, I can't step back any further than what that experience was, where I had that revelation of who God was in the midst of the fire and thinking, I don't even want my head to go outside of that closeness with him if I face another battle and to be honest I am still going through some things but I know who he is in the midst of it and I know because he's already told me how I need to respond to it and so that is what I'm going to continue to do and it's just thinking like in the same way when there's the fire came he was definitely in there with me he was definitely in the fire with me and I know that he'll do it again because he he's good isn't he he promises to be because he is good that's his nature but when I look at the five kind of phases of what that was in terms of not what the enemy did because that's irrelevant actually because as soon as God speaks I'm not even wanting to go there to entertain what he's um, got to say so first of all I got the word I got a word from him it wouldn't have made sense to other people it made absolute sense to me and as I knew that I had to to keep focus on that word it needed to stay close to the source of truth. So that's the second one. Stay close to the source of truth. Need to trust God even when the heat gets turned up. We can't have a funny five minutes in the midst of it because it's not going the way that we, we thought it was going to. It's a bit like with the lumberjack when we're praying. You can keep hitting in the same place and it might be on the fifth, sixth, seventh time, that's when it breaks, but you don't give up before it's broken. You resist the enemy through praise, prayer, worship. Don't neglect those things. That's really, really important. And to be honest, sometimes you're not going to feel like doing it. But you know, you need to know that you need to be doing it. And as this, for me, you come out of it spiritually stronger at the end of it. And for me, it was physically and spiritually stronger than I went in. So really, my closing question for everybody today in the context of everything that I've spoken um, around today is, 
are you battle ready? Because I can't answer, I can answer for myself, but each of us need to know that for ourselves, regardless of um, what situations and circumstances we are. Even if you're not in a battle, are you, bad, are you battle ready? You know, it's really about having, again, like I said at the beginning, the right foundations. You need all of those things. It's not a couple of them. You need all of those things. We need the armour. We need the gifts. We need to be close to God, knowing who he is. We need to know our identity, because you can't fight that good fight unless you know who you're fighting with, what you're fighting against. You need to know these things. And the enemy doesn't want us, ultimately, as I said at the beginning, doesn't want us to be those people that his son gave his life up for. Um, He comes to steal, kill and destroy, doesn't he? So again, are are you happy knowing that and walking from that place and not willing to make the changes that needs to happen? And I think this whole series we've been talking about prayer, this isn't one of those things like, oh, tick box, I know a bit about prayer now. That's one of the things of useful information to know when there's a problem. You need to know that now. It needs to be part of who you are. It needs to be part of your lifestyle. Um, And that's the only way that you're going to really get to know him if you're close to him. We don't want to be those people who says, oh, I knew of him, but I didn't really know him personally. And equally, you don't want him to say, who are you? I don't even know you. That would just be the worst thing that imaginable if God said, I don't even know who you are. You've never spoken to me. You never spent any time with me. And I just wanted to just encourage everyone as well that when we're in that place, we know we can be those people with confidence that know that regardless of what happens, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. No forces against us will prosper when we're positioned right, when we're dressed for battle and when we're standing with the victor. That's who we want to be. So I hope that um, encouraged people today. Um, Just to get people to... We need to be thinking, not just thinking, we need to be acting. And it's making that transition of it being head knowledge to heart knowledge to being action. Um, So I just wanted to encourage everyone in that today.